All right, well, welcome, guys. Welcome to today's roundtable. I'm just honored to call you friends, and I've learned so much from you guys about what it means to be a godly dad, to set a Christ-centered home. And if we weren't recording, I would just uh, value this time, have a cup of coffee with you and learn from you. So uh, today, we're going to talk about a big topic. We're going to talk about talking about a big God to little kids. How do I have those conversations with my kiddos? Um, what are some ways that I can lead them and lead them well and, and represent a heavenly father here on earth uh, to my kids? And as I was preparing for today, I thought of this quote, uh, George Bernard Shaw. He said, it had nothing to do with faith, had nothing to do with parenting, but he said, the biggest mistake in communications is assuming it has taken place. Mm-hmm. He's talking about more of a marketing and advertising side of it, but it is a big mistake for us to assume as dads that our conversations and our communication about faith to our kids is just going to take place naturally, or they're going to come to me with questions, or they're going to come to me with uh, topics or ideas about faith, life, and meaning just as they grow up. I have to be intentional. I have to be purposeful. And so that's what I want to talk about today. How do we have those faith conversations with our little kids? So Josh, you're going to bat lead off for us today. Uh, The opening question is, have you had faith conversations with your three kids? You lead uh, contemporary worship at Crossings. And you have a, a, a big opportunity to lead a big congregation, but your congregation at home, your ministry at home yeah. really is important to you. And have you had those conversations with your kiddos? Yes. Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot here at Crossings on staff that our family is our number one ministry. And, you know, I desperately want to be a good worship leader, a good pastor, um, a good husband, a good friend. But... In this season, I really, really, really want to be a good father. And I see the importance of my influence in my children's life. So that's what I'm excited about today. I hope that a lot of people will listen to this and and, um, understand that we don't have it all figured out, that we're trying to figure it out as we go. But God has reminded me recently that that time really is our greatest asset as fathers. Uh, We all have time. We all have the same amount of that asset 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I can just, I can think back to times when, when I just wasted it, you know? And uh, in this season, I want to be very intentional with the time that I spend with my kids. And when you make time to sit down with them, to listen, to understand what they're thinking and feeling and to hear how their day went, uh, to listen to the faith questions that they have, it, it just sparks some amazing conversation. And, uh, so I hope that we can understand that it's not money, it's not, um, it's not material things. You know, it's not even really wisdom that's most important. I think, I think the asset of time is something that we should not take for granted. So creating moments to talk to our kids. You know, I think about bedtime and when we, I just get to, you know, sit in that bed with them before they go to sleep. And, and instead of rushing through it, like making time to hear them and to uh, ask them what they want to pray for and, Listening to their prayers and, and the things that are that are sinking in deep to their heart is really just an amazing opportunity for faith conversations. But I think back to Camille, uh, my my now nine year old, but when she was eight, she was baptized, and it was the most beautiful experience as a family so far. Um, and it was a it was a great day. But before that, we had a lot of faith conversations, and she asked some very inquisitive questions about you know who God is and why did Jesus have to die. And instead of sort of just giving the, the quick Bible study or Sunday school answer, 
we dove into those questions. And if I didn't have the perfect answer, we, we kind of figured it out together. And so Kylie and I took the pressure off of ourselves to figure out, okay, does she get it 100%? And now is it time for baptism? And we just thought, you know what? As an eight-year-old little child, what is she articulating about her faith? And we believe that she understood who Jesus was, the importance of a relationship with him, why he had to die so that we would have life and that we would be saved. And it was just such a fun experience leading her through um, those faith conversations that ultimately led to her baptism. And even after that, you know, she's, she's been a different little girl. I mean, God has a hold of her heart, the way that she loves people, engages with people. Um, it, it's just been an amazing experience. So we try to make faith conversations a normal part of our house. Yeah. Well, and I like how you said that, that if, if she asks a question that you didn't readily know the answer to right in that moment, show her what it means to say, well, I don't know, but let's go find yeah, out. That's right. And I think that's cool to do that at a, at a young age when it's just an innocent question about Jesus or faith or who is God. Uh, let's go find out together. Then hopefully later on in life as a teenager or young adult, she feels that freedom to come to you knowing that, hey, he's going to find out with me. If dad doesn't know, he's going to say it. He's going to let me know that we're going to, we're going to discover this together. I think that builds a lot of trust. And that's just a sweet moment. So I remember watching you through that season and watching you. I mean, the, the, the whole venue just erupts. You know, when, when the worship leader gets to baptize his oldest daughter, it was just a fun moment. So, but well, yeah. Something you said was not rushing the time a night especially, but not rushing in general, but not rushing that time of night. So the conversations that, my wife and I, you know, we have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 5-year-old. The conversations that we have often come out of our prayer time at night because of things they say in their prayer. So, like, one of those things that Riker, our 10-year-old, said was one night, all of a sudden, he was just praying for the homeless, the hopeless, and the hospitalized. And it came out of nowhere. And we're like, what? Yeah. So after, yeah. of course, I mean, that opens up for great conversations. <laughs> And we're going, okay, where did you hear this? He's like, oh, my Sunday school teacher. Well, this is how wow. we're praying in Sunday school. And it was like, okay, great. What does this mean to pray for the hospitalized? And so he's talking about, well, you know when so-and-so is in the hospital for surgery. Or, so I think not rushing is a huge piece of this and finding our rhythms yeah. and finding our opportunities and keep it keep it simple because that's I think that's what it comes down to. But yeah, you're absolutely, I'm, I am terrible at that too. I'm like, I want to rush yeah. so then we can go, my wife and I can go watch our show. And yeah, yeah. We don't have any kids. It's our, it's our time when actually this is, you know, the, the time that we should be. I mean, then one of you said like, this is our greatest asset um, with our kids is our time. Well, it, it forces you to slow down a little bit. If you're not rushing, then like, I remember one opportunity that uh, my wife, Courtney, she she started doing it, so I followed her lead on this, was as you're buckling them in the back seat. So one of the biggest freedoms as a dad is when they can buckle themselves in. <laughs> like, oh, that's man. amazing. <laughs> but in that short season, that window, when you have to go back there and buckle them in, you can say small things like, wow, look at that sunset. Hmm. Isn't that a creative God who would create that sunset? And just acknowledge the reality around us and how God interacts with us, that it's not uh, just a faith on Sunday. It's just we can acknowledge it seven days a week. Yeah. And so I, I think those little times that if we're not rushing can kind of spin up and be like, oh, this is a God moment. Just share it and then move on. And that makes those God conversations normal. Yeah. So. The other commonality that I, I'm picking up is uh, like just the rhythms, the bedtime routines, the 
the spaces where we're modeling for our kids, prayer time, things like that, where um, they're seeing our faith worked out with them. Um, we're not hiding behind, you know, uh, the veil of like, we need to do our quiet time in a secret place. Like we're doing those things with our kids. And when we do those things, when we model, you know, scripture reading and prayer alongside of them, um, that, that those are the moments that they get to ask those questions and bring up some of those conversations. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, my wife and I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, and it's been those moments that have been um, the most precious and the most useful for them just to say, um, hey, you know, I'm, we talked about this in Sunday school today. Um, you know, th- th- this weekend it was um, Joshua's last words, you know, and uh, so we got to talk about, like, last words and, mm-hmm. you know, what it meant to those people for him to tell them about, you know, um, obeying God in those moments. And so um, it's it's those moments where we've set aside time and it's a regular routine and rhythm um, that our kids pick up on that, you know, they're able to, you know, ask questions and be a part of those moments with us. So, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm reminded that our kids are, they're always watching us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always listening to the words we say, but also the tone that we say it with. You guys know that song, uh, Dad, I've been watching you. (laughs) I cry every time I hear that song. Um, But, but, uh, you know, I think about, you know, they're going to understand pretty quickly what we value by how we spend our time, um, by the moments that we create with each other as a family. And and I just, I I desperately want them to know what I value in the way that I live my life. And I'm so grateful that my kids, um, I have three kids, nine, seven, and four. And I'm so grateful for this church family that they get to be a part of. I'm so grateful for the, the Sunday school teachers that have our family members who love God and point them to Him all the time, uh, the school they're a part of. Uh, but I'm reminded that I, I am responsible as their spiritual leader. Yeah. It is my job. Like, I can't expect other people to lead my kids spiritually. Um, it is mine and Kylie's job. And, and my wife, Kylie, I mean, she's... She is such a great spiritual leader for our family. And a lot of the faith conversations our kids have had through the years because she got to stay at home with them and they spent a lot of time in the car. Um, you know, she was the one that really helped um, curate those moments and lead them through some of these questions that they asked. So I wanted to give a shout out to Kylie because um, she is just as much a, a spiritual leader in our home, you know, as I am. Absolutely. But the, the, to the point of them watching us, Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't hit home for me until my youngest. So my youngest son, well, I have a, have a daughter and I have a son, and right now he's six. But probably back when he was two years old, maybe two and a half years old, my wife took a picture of him standing in the doorway looking into our bathroom, and I'm looking in the mirror, shaving or doing something. And so I'm standing there looking in the mirror, and he's looking right at me, and he's leaning up against the door. He's got a little sippy cup and a camo shirt on, <laughs> and you know, in his diaper, and that that. That light bulb went off for me like, I didn't even know he was standing there. I didn't know she took that picture, but she shared that with me. And it's one of my favorite photos of, and it reminds me that constantly watching. They're gonna, it's, it's caught not taught, maybe in, in a lot of instances, is that they're going to pick up on our routines and, and they're gonna pick up on our, our faith conversations of what's normal and what's not normal in our household. And I, I like the way that our life care ministry talks about it is, I'm only as effective to my kids as I am with myself. So if I'm not putting in time, if, I don't, if I'm not cracking open my Bible, uh, what makes me think that my kids would? That's a big mistake to assume that that's the kind of 
faith that they would have, the practicing faith that they would have. Yeah, and it goes back to, it's simple. Like yeah. it's simple to do that in front of your yeah. kids in a public place rather than a private place so that your kids can see and know. And, yeah. and it's, as, it's as easy as opening your Bible so they can see that that's a part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I appreciate well, y'all's a, transparency. Sorry, yeah, uh, no, just okay. your transparency as pastors. It's really easy for people to say, well, you're all pastors. <laughs> of course, your kids are going to know, you know, <laughs> you know, you want to talk about faith stuff. But it's really work dad, home dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we got to make sure we're integrated just as, just as much. Yeah. Uh, and we can't just write that off like, well, they know that we go to church because I work at a church. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. So. Well, I was just going to say we had talked about leading up to this conversation the Barna study that the kids team here kind of based a year of their, they said, okay, we're going to put a lot of eggs in this basket. We're going to have this be our emphasis. And really the Barna study came down to, it was what influenced kids after they left the home to stay connected to the church during college. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's things that, you know, you would think that are probably on there, but then I mean, it's just so simple. Um, but it's, uh, Bible study, and it's not Bible study with the kids. It's your own personal Bible study. It's what you were saying. Your own personal Bible study they can see in the house. Then it's prayer. So, yes, praying together, but also them seeing you pray, pray with other people. Then um, service. So where are you serving? How are you serving? And that even opens up the door to hospitality in your own home. So who's coming yeah. into your home and what type of people? But then these are interesting because they just seem like they're even more simple Listen to Christian radio while they're in the car. That's, I mean, this is college kids. Or Crossings saying, Venue Worship on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to plug it. You didn't have to do that. I was gonna... <laughs> um, family vacations and memories being made on that. That doesn't have to be anything. That could be a road trip. Um, but then family dinners. So it didn't even give like the spiritual components of family dinner. It's just having that time around the table together. Yeah. Do you think that's, do you think it's a trust thing? Because if the, the more time we spend together around a table, then the more opportunities are there. And if they have it on their heart to ask a tough question that the rest, like, There's space. I don't know who Jesus is. Where is Jesus? I don't, I don't believe in this Holy Spirit thing you keep talking about. Like, the more you interact, maybe at a dinner setting, yeah. the more opportunities that they feel that, oh, I can trust you with this question, maybe. I think at the dinner table, I mean, it's spiritual. It's in the yeah. Bible. Every time people do something great, they're eating before, after, during. But... I do think that there's a vulnerability at the table that when you have something to drink, when you have something to eat, that wall kind of drops, and that's even within the family. So you're most comfortable at home, yeah. but then I think when when that happens, it even allows for more walls to be broken down. And we we tell our boys, like, you can talk to us about anything, don't ever be, you know, and that's even at the age they're at right now, mm-hmm. younger, but we hope that, sure, that translates to at dinner, or we move to the living room and after dinner and we're sitting around, you know, on the couch and on the floor playing a game or whatever and they bring up, you know, something they're going through or a question that they have. I love that. Josh, you said something earlier whenever you were talking about um, your guys' conversation with Camille Mm -hmm. that um, was interesting to me just about baptism. Like, how did you guys know she was ready even just at the age of eight? Like, is that young? Like, I don't know. How did you guys know she was ready for that moment? So she had talked about wanting to be baptized for a long time. And initially it was because her friends from school got baptized, mm. which, you know, I didn't think that was a deep enough reason to be <laughs> to go public with your faith. But when she was able to articulate, like I said, uh, what, who Jesus, 
who Jesus is and why he died um, and what it looks like to have a personal relationship with him. I thought at that point, she really understands this, and I believe that God has a hold of her heart, and she has trusted God with her life. Um, you know, there weren't any visions and special dreams. It was just these beautiful, simple conversations uh, with my eight-year-old child. And so those conversations, you know, with, with this desire to be baptized, really that's when we, we felt it was the right time. But I don't think there's the perfect age to be baptized. Um, I don't, you know, I just, I don't, we took that pressure off of ourselves um, as parents to figure out, you know, when is the perfect age? When is the perfect time? We just kind of, we just felt it. it. But what led us to that moment were faith conversations. Mm-hmm. That's good. And the understanding that, and as all parents should realize, whatever age that is that your kid is baptized, that's not the end of the road. <laughs> that's the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So all these things that we've talked about still apply. You still have to be an example. You have to illustrate an act of faith. You have to set a spiritual climate. I think one of the, one of the key job roles of dads in homes is to set a spiritual climate for faith conversations to come up. And, and I would be the first to admit, what if mom's better at that? <laughs> like, yeah. like you were saying with yeah. Kylie, Courtney can, can get to faith conversations a lot easier than I can sometimes. She's a more active prayer. Um, she, she's currently walking through First Kings with my eight-year-old. You know, I just, so what if mom's better at it than I am? How would y'all counsel dads? Well, I come from a majority of um, the years, I think the, the most formative years for my faith uh, were years that I had a single mom. So I think that, you know, even single moms that could be listening right now, you know, take this and run with it. This is not just the dad's responsibility, but I, my dad is not a believer still, and my mom is still the one that we kind of look as the matriarch for, you know, the faith building uh, in our family. But I do think that if mom is better, then look at what she's good at. You know, if you're in a married situation or even if you have men, if you're a single mom or a single dad, if you have men and women that can offset what you're really good at, look at, you know, what yeah. you're really bad at and say, okay, how can I, how can I find somebody that's really good at that? Yeah. And I think that can be in a marriage relationship um, or, you know, if you're single, then come to the church and find men or women or lean into the Sunday school teachers like we've all talked about for our kids or lean into the pastors. We're so accessible. We, you know, we want to be there for families like that. And I mean, we know, I mean, we all have examples around this table of men or women that have stepped into the lives of, you know, a single mom's son or, mm-hmm. you know, some some situation yeah. like that. Well, I'll call him out. It's Wes. <laughs> like, yeah, Wes. Yes. Yes. Dude, that dude is a perfect example of what we're talking true. about. True, very true. And, and I, I think just just stepping in when you see a need and, and back to the conversation with uh, dad at home and, and kind of wanting to hand that responsibility to mom, she may be better at leading Bible studies. So now my role as dad is to carve out that time and let her do it. Carve out the time and be present. Mm-hmm. So if, if she's going to lead prayer at the table before dinner, make sure all the kids are there, make sure we're all sitting down, make sure we're all respectful, and then mom's going to lead us in prayer. So that's not your time to go fishing. It's not my time to check out. Yeah, it's not Hold my time on. to check out. Yeah. So, but I think just being present, maybe even offering a prayer request. Hey, mom, while you're praying, will you pray for this? Mm, that's cool. I may not be the one to lead it, but dad being present yeah. sets the tone that, no, this is the climate that we're living in. This is the climate of the house is that we're going to talk about spiritual matters. 
I want to I want to say something that I think is really important for every mom and father, mother and father to hear, that it is not our responsibility to change the heart of my child. It's not like that's that is the Holy Spirit's job. As a worship leader, it's my job as as a as a modern day priest in a way, just like we're all called to being priests, to curate a moment where people can meet with God. And I think it's the same thing for parents. We are to create these moments for for our kids to meet with God. But we need to take the pressure off that we are the ones that are going to convince them or change their heart. Um, That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I can sleep well at night, no matter what, is knowing my role um, and knowing the Holy Spirit's role. Matt, you said something about um, creating a spiritual climate in your house. Um, When I think of that, one of the things that I think about for dads in creating that environment is the simplicity of like, just just don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, like um, modeling like um, kindness and um, love, not just to your family, but to those you're around. Like um, patience, humility, yeah. like all the all the fruits of the spirit. Just. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a student pastor, um, I think once your kids are a little older too, they can they can sniff a fake, right? Like they <laughs> they know. Um, if you're not living what you're saying you're living. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but I think it just means like modeling those things, humility, kindness um, to everybody, to your family, to the people you're around. And um, so, I, and, and so modeling or creating a spiritual climate doesn't necessarily, it's not always just about like, you know, these super spiritual moments. Some of it is just about how you treat people, how That's you right. treat each so other. Good, um, so. You reminded me the other day that uh, as earthly fathers, we are the picture sometimes of what our kids have as our heavenly father. So here on earth, we're going to represent our heavenly father. And that can feel really heavy sometimes. And, and a mentor of mine said uh, one time, he said, I wonder what face am I making when my kids talk about their dad? Mm. And I thought, man, that's, and this is before I had kids. And I remember thinking, oh, that's going to be a heavy car. <laughs> and now that I have a six and eight year old. And if they're on the recess, just telling stories about dad, hmm. what face am I making? Good, What's yeah. my demeanor? How am I interacting with them? When they're just telling stories about dad, am I glad? Am I joyful? Yeah. Uh, am I full of the, the, you know, the fruit of the spirit? Am I representing that to them? Yeah. But I, I think it can, it can feel heavy. That can feel like a big weight to carry. But as Josh, you pointed out, a lot of that weight is carried by the Holy Spirit, ultimately. And as we're walking in step with him, then we can point our kids to Christ. Yeah. And this isn't a, a this is an excuse or an out, but there's a lot of time where I'm praying, God use me in spite of me. Now, while I'm still growing and yeah. I'm still, you know, I'm always trying to look towards Jesus and then allowing the spirit to change me to be more like him and not just for my kids, I mean for everybody around me, but also for my kids. You know, I am going, I'd lost my patience there and I shouldn't have. And I look even five years ago, you know, so take one kid out of the equation, two kids at five and two. And my goodness, I mean, my patience was so much less and it was just so much more stressful. It's, I mean, there was just so much more going on in my, even though now it's like WWE and just <laughs> madness. But I think that use me in spite of me has allowed me to then go, okay, I'm, I'm reevaluating a situation that maybe wasn't as great as I should have responded. But now I've gotten to the point where 
I do think about that. Like, what will my kids say about me and how will they see Jesus or how they how will they see their heavenly father in light of me? And so, you know, there's something that I've, you know, I've started to do with my boys is like, all right, if I if I am losing my patience, then I realize like, okay, I feel this. All right, boys, I'm going to lose my patience. Instead of just <laughs> losing it like that, you know, all right. I'm going to lose my patience. I'm giving you the opportunity right now. And that's just something that I feel like God does with me. Like, hey, I'm mercy and grace and grace and grace and grace. And um, that's that's what I want. I mean, I want my boys to to see God in that way. Now, of course, I'm not perfect and Mm -hmm. still working on that. But I do want that. I want that face to be seen of like, wow, he was (laughs) we were jerks and he was the patient one uh, <laughs> you know what i do in those moments i, I just turn it around as a, a lesson and say i lost my patience because i wanted to teach you how to ask for forgiveness so this is me asking for apologizing yeah. yeah so it's still a yeah. teaching yes. moment you yes. know like well, learning to say like being okay as a parent saying i'm sorry yeah and oh, and i don't know, I don't know. Yeah. you know those let's uh, figure it out together yeah those yeah. sorts of of opportunities that that Show your kids humility and allow, I mean, as we're talking about having faith conversations, allow you to be an approachable type of person. Yeah. Um, what about uh, middle school and high school students? You know, I, we all have very similar aged kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we think about parenting, we think about that, that nine-year-old or the seven or the six, the four. Um, what about high school and middle school students? What are, how do you have faith conversations with that age? So, um, yeah, I've been thinking about this. I think We've been talking about modeling it. I think, again, I think it, it becomes a, a big, when they get to high school and middle school, modeling it um, becomes a big point okay. of emphasis. I think, um, you know, showing them how you're doing your, your scripture reading, what church engagement looks like, something more than just sitting in a pew, right? Like, how do you engage with church? Um, and then again, just like the attitude of, just going back to like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> um, some of that, I think the other thing that I would say to parents of middle school and high school students is um, don't shame them for asking questions, right? Um, I hear a lot of students talk about not feeling like they can ask questions about faith, um, that there's just kind of this tone of uh, we don't ask questions like that, being, being approachable when it comes to questions. Because in reality, your middle school and high school mm. questions are asking, they're asking those questions, Somewhere, <laughs> yep. um, it may be TikTok or yep. Google that they're asking those questions to, and so um, allowing them the space and being this sort of person that they can bring those questions to, um, and not being a, someone that shames them for asking questions, I think is is a big point of of that for high school and middle school students. I mean, it's been a while since I've been in middle school or high school. Uh, I feel like things have changed in in our culture. Mm. Where, uh, well, put, to put it this way, when I led a high school small group here about 10 years ago, I called it the buzzsaw. So my junior boys, second semester of their high school uh, junior year, really prepare them that you can ask me anything and you're not going to offend me. Yeah. I work at the church. Say whatever you want. Like, let's, let's hash it out. Yep. And get that comfortable conversation. So junior, senior year, and you walk into a buzzsaw of college or wherever they go, mm-hmm. Uh, that they're at least prepared to handle it. It's not going to scare them. Right. It's not going to get them so nervous that they just check out and say, yeah, you're right. I'm just going to walk away from a faith. They're at least going to give some critical thought to it. Yeah. Any right. advice on that? Yeah, well, I think the other thing that you just mentioned there is like you were a person who was not their parent 
or even a family member uh, that they had involved in their lives. And so the other thing I would say to parents is stack the deck, yeah. right? Like um, mm. put other people in your kids' lives throughout. I mean, it doesn't have to just be once they're in middle school and high school. This starts, you know, early. Um, you know, here at, here at Crossings in small groups, we have people who have walked with a certain group of students from the time they're in like fourth grade, fifth grade, all the way through high school. And those sorts of relationships don't just vanish once they graduate, right? Like. Those are the people that I, I know, students who are in college are reaching out to and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. Um, hey, I don't know what to do with you know, my faith at this point. I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to deal with you know, life as a college student. And they're asking those people, their old small group leaders, mentors. Um, so yeah, stack the deck. Like give your kids somebody other than you who they can have those sorts of conversations with. When I joined staff in 2008, I was with a group of freshmen um, students all the way through graduation, and it was, it was a mess. I mean, every Wednesday night, I'm like, "What is happening? They don't like my jokes. I can't believe they're doing the things they're doing at school. You know, like all these things." And uh, I just never really felt like I was that effective in their life, but I was consistent every Wednesday. Yep. Mystery of presence. Yeah. And when they graduated, um, I'd get calls and text messages. I'd run yeah. into them in town, and, and they still saw me as this guy that they could trust. You know a guy who held them to a higher standard. And so, so my advice, I think, for, for parents and you know, small group leaders, people with um, high school, middle school students in their life, just be consistent. Like, show up. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, you don't have to make them feel bad or try to direct them in the way you want them to go. Just be available. Just show up. And I think that, for my guys, I think that made a huge difference, that I was just, I was there. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think this conversation, uh, it reminds me of a, of a story in Mark chapter 2, where there's four friends, and they have a paralyzed friend, and Jesus is teaching in a room, and it's so crowded, and they can't get near Jesus. But they have this urgency and this confidence, so much so that they just go to the roof, and they tear the roof off, and they lower their friend down to get him to Jesus. And I think about our conversation and our faith walk, am I approaching my conversations in, uh, about faith, life, and meaning with my kids with that same kind of urgency. Back to your, your point about time. Like time is our <laughs> biggest asset. Mm. Do I have the urgency to get them to Jesus? And let's talk about these things that matter. Um, but also that confidence. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. That uh, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to guide those conversations. That's going to be present. If we're faithful and we're taking our time to uh, grow in our faith, then the Holy Spirit is going to intervene and going to, going to take the reins at some point. So it reminded me of that. It's Mark chapter 2, I believe. Yeah, chapter 2 of that story that those guys had this urgency to get their friend to Jesus and that we should also have the same urgency with our family. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, I think the thing I think about that is just the encouragement to parents of just like, just keep running the race with your kids. Like, hang in there. Yeah. Keep going. It may not be that um, it happens when you want it to happen. I think of uh, this weekend baptism um, Sunday. I saw a dad baptize his high school student, and I know those parents. I know they've been praying and like loving on that kid for a long time. And for them, that was it. wasn't You know, again, it wasn't a finish line moment, but to them, it was um, just that moment of okay, we've continued to pray and we've continued to pray. And yes, our kid is is uh, making a decision to follow Jesus now. And so hang in there, like yeah. keep going, keep, um, 
keep approaching this topic with your kids. Um, yeah. yeah. And trust him in the process. And, yeah. I think Paul said it great. He had a benediction in Romans chapter 15. And he says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope that we can remember that as dads, as we're leading our kids and our family. And I just want to thank you guys for joining the roundtable today. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Yeah.